0: It's another day here in Las Vegas. I'm uh, pretty excited because I just got my new product from Golden CUV. I've got the, the UVC available in Vegas for demo. If anybody wants to kind of look over the ways we can uh, defeat this virus and uh, kind of fight back against the what some would call the invisible plague or invisible virus. there are We do have tools that we can use to, to fight back, and we don't have to be scared forever we gotta take our steps we gotta wash our hands we gotta wear masks we gotta socially distance we gotta make sure to trace each other and make sure that we're not uh, becoming the next super spreader but uh, we do have tools available to us to to get back to work man i think that's a common goal among all of us especially everybody listening here that we should get back to doing shows as soon as we can we should do it as safely as possible but uh, we got livelihoods to do we got uh, shows to put together we got things to do man we got uh, we got a world to unite we and uh, we need it more than ever so i thought today would be a great way to uh, do that today would be a great way to unite uh, this is uh, a person who i have watched come up in the industry lately he uh, a meteoric rise if i do say so myself I'm very excited to reach out to him today because I have seen him online. Uh, We've uh, connected digitally many times, and we've never actually had a chance to sit down, even though I've been through his town, he's been through mine. And so today's the day. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about creative things. So please welcome Mitchell Skellinger. He is a production and lighting designer at Station 6 out of Denver, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking time to sit with me today. I appreciate it, Mitchell. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. So I have to be totally, brutally honest with you. Part of the reason I wanted to talk to you today is because Imagine Dragons played my birthday in, I want to say it was 2000 and something. They were the opening band for my wife and they came and played my birthday. And I knew then that they were going to be fucking huge. (laughs) Uh, It was at the the Hard Rock Cafe in Las Vegas. And at the time, they hadn't done much more than uh, an opening act for Kelly Clarkson because they won an award or something a long time ago. And it was like they were still an upcoming band there were five members in the band then it was they were a slightly different band from what they are now but i i knew then and uh, i wasn't i thought i was out of the lighting game then or uh i was working at uh Mister in las vegas i didn't think i was gonna be the touring guy but the thought of being out with them sounds like a an experience so I want to talk a little bit about that. I mostly want to focus on what you're doing and yeah, uh, how you are. But uh, that's how I first got to hear about you. I was like, man, that's cool.
1: That's awesome to hear too. That you you came to discover them at such an early time in their career because that's they always attribute their their start to their their days in Vegas doing super small gigs. You know, putting the work mm-hmm. in to get to where they are today. And um, that's awesome to hear that you were you were there to experience that because. I was not <laughs> I, uh, my first imagine Dragons show was when I was working for them. We were in arenas by that point, but um yeah they're they're a hard working band it's and it's funny too how you can always you can always kind of tell if you go check out bands that are up and coming. there's always something that kind of just oh. clicks and you're like, you should pay attention to these guys they might they might do something big, and it sounds mm-hmm. like you uh got that feeling and you were right.
0: Yeah. So let's, uh, let's back this up a little bit and then we'll, we'll get back to the Imagine Dragons because that's actually towards the, that's probably one of the more recent bands you worked with. I want to yeah. start back from the beginning, like how, uh, how you got started. The
1: early days, the roots.
0: So you've always been in Denver.
1: Yeah. So I, I was born in Colorado, grew up here. Um, I lived in Indianapolis for a short bit of time when I was a kid, but then we moved back to Colorado and, uh, I, my early story is typical to a lot of, you know, I, I was obsessed with lighting. I did high school theater. I did middle school theater, you know, always was into the, the technical stuff. Middle had school a, theater? Yeah, we had we had a, wow. a lighting, a little lighting system in our theater. We had a theater in our middle school, which was pretty, pretty sick.
0: Yeah, that's, and, uh, uh, that's not, uh, that's pretty not extraordinary. Yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, it wasn't anything fancy. We had like maybe... Ten park hands or something. Yeah, but we had a little console and um, a little part gymnasium, th- part theater. Yeah, exactly. So got it. It was a uh, it was fun though. We put on little plays and musicals that I'm sure sounded <laughs> awful, but you know the parents still came and <laughs> supported their children. Uh, so yeah, it was early days, typical of, of captive audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then obviously moving into high school, I continued doing the the technical theater. Um, we had a couple moving lights. Started getting more into it, and uh, eventually, I started. I initially pursued college, uh, doing theater, film, and television. It was a triple major at the University of Colorado. It was a lot. Um, I I wasn't quite sure at that point if I wanted to go the film route or the you know concert touring route or theater route, but I knew I wanted to do something with production and um, and lighting specifically. So. While I was going to school, I started working as a stagehand uh, for Rhino Staging, which is like the one of two labor organizations here in, in the Denver area. So I'd start loading in these shows. I was like 18 at the time, pushing boxes off the trucks as they roll into the Pepsi Center, and that was that was a critical point for me, like many, just because it gave me a real. Grasp on how the concert touring world worked because it was always kind of Pushing cases mysterious, you know. You yeah. Did, like who travels with the show? Who like there's so much unknown at that point.
0: Who um, gets to push all those cases? Yeah. Who gets to push all those <laughs>
1: buttons? So, like all those all those questions were answered for me being a stagehand, and I was of course that annoying kid who was walking out the front of the house, tapping the shoulder of everybody, asking questions, just kind of figuring out the business and that eventually led me to meet some lighting designers. Um, John Labriola, who uh, passed away a few years ago, he he was a, a big part of kind of helping me get from stagehand to touring tech. He introduced me to some people at Christie Lights and I eventually made the jump to lighting tech and I started touring bands, going on the road, doing all that fun stuff, uh, ultimately knowing I wanted to be behind the console and potentially more. So from there, I just went on tour, rode that Dude. bus, climbed that ladder and became a, became a LD programmer. I, when I was working for Christie lights, I was doing mostly arena tours as, as a lighting tech. And then I kind of had to make a somewhat hard decision to step back to become an LD in like house of blues size tours, which seemed weird, you know, going from working in arenas to, to a theater. But I think that's, that's kind of a critical step. You know, you can't, you can't jump from being an arena tour lighting tech to an arena tour lighting designer. You've got to scale down a bit and the opportunities presented themselves. So I I started designing smaller shows and then kind of kept climbing that mountain again, getting into the, uh, the arena level and right on beyond. And then I, I kind of evolved into uh, mostly lighting direction programming. I worked under a lot of great people like Travis Shirley and sooner And uh, eventually kind of began designing my own shows, bigger and bigger shows, getting my own list of clients. And that eventually kind of evolved into more production design, handling more than just the lighting, designing scenic, designing a staging layout. And uh, in recent years, I've kind of turned into a creative director in a sense, which is not something I ever really saw myself doing. But the opportunity was kind of handed to me. Like you're dealing with most of the visual aspects of the show. Now you need to pick out the wardrobe and the yeah. colors of the confetti and the video contest. So it, it kind of evolved into all that. That's the progression yeah, right man. on, man.
0: So that's One the, of the things you touched on that I think is really important to discuss even further is that when people ask me how to get into the industry, I never have a good answer no matter what path i recommend it's always it always involves asking people in the industry try not to do it at the most inopportune times but also <laughs> feel free to pester people like just ask for even if they're they're programming away just like hey can i get a business card i would love to ask you some questions I would imagine that's something that you were doing. You were just totally. like, hey, so I'm done pushing all my boxes. Can I go out to Front House or just yeah, five and minutes? Yeah, I think,
1: I think looking for that opportune time is kind of key, you know. Yeah. During the last song of the show, when you're getting ready to <laughs> load out Front of House, probably isn't the time to go. <laughs> start pestering the LD. But, uh, you know, you you can see what they're doing. You can you can catch a moment. And I I feel lucky that I'm at a point now where – you know, the next generation of people are coming up to me at shows and asking me the same sort of questions that, that I was asking people when I got my start. So I like to take that opportunity to answer those questions the best I can. And like you said, there's really, it's, it's hard to answer those questions sometimes because there's not necessarily a correct way to get into our business. There's many successful people who have taken completely different paths. Mm -hmm. So, and based on the question that's being posed, sometimes you have to tread lightly. Like I, I, I dropped out of college when I started working for Christy Lights and, you know, I'll have kids come up to front of the house with their parents and they'll be like, where did you go to college? I want to do what you do. And so I kind of look at the parent <laughs> <laughs> who's kind of like glaring at me, like answer answer correctly. And I'll look at the kid and I'll be like, there's a lot of good colleges that would give you tools to to do this. I personally didn't go that route, but there's plenty of successful people who did. So I think, at the core of it, though, it's just building those relationships, asking the right questions, not getting too cocky, and thinking you know the right way to get into the industry or or how to do what you are doing in the industry. But just uh, you know, making friends—that's what Man. it comes down to. I could I could draw a line between every project I've ever had and the somebody involved in that project all and trace that all the way back to the very beginning. Just because every project I've ever done somehow is connected to somebody i've met previously worked on with things like that so
0: yeah gotta have friends man all it takes is one one good moment where somebody's like man that guy's got something going on there he's got uh he's got a spark he's got some sort of creative initiative that's all it takes man and then next thing you know they're i don't know maybe he deserves a shot
1: for sure actually uh the lighting director i have out doing a number well was doing a number of my tours before, 2020 hit. We uh, Sarah Parker, she's awesome. I saw her at we were doing a festival, and she was with one of the smaller bands early on in the day. And I was like, she's got some chops. She's you know she's she's a badass. We should we should chat. So eventually, I brought her in. Um, she ran an Imagine Dragons tour for me, and then most recently, she was out on Logic, uh, this fa- last fall. Who's a rap artist? So. I put Run. Her in on big leagues, and she did great.
0: <laughs> look at you, man, coming all full circle, being the got to be humble. Be, I suppose being, being the rookie now, you're the one uh, providing some uh, some opportunities for some up and comers. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Good, you gotta you know you gotta look at your own path into the business and see how you can continue that.
0: Man, it, it, it helps
1: you too, like for it me, only helps me having great people around me only makes my projects that much better. You know, we can't do this by ourselves. We have to surround ourselves with talented people who are better than us to, you know, collaborate with and, and work on things with. And it's more fun that way too, you know, Mm -hmm. don't try and do it all yourself. It's more fun to work with your friends and create some, some magic.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're in the same boat as me because you found your passion so early middle school i mean even I mean, that's the earliest i can imagine you i can't imagine you had many jobs outside of this industry
1: i really didn't i uh i worked at an apple store <laughs> when i was a kid like end of high school i was probably like 17 i started working at an apple store in a mall okay which isn't related to this business but it kind, kind of is because i mean there's Apple yeah. products everywhere we like yeah I, most of my shows we use, um, if it's not like a big video show where we'd yeah. use like D3 or something, we'd use Mbox just because yeah. Cause it's one awesome. one of the first, yeah. Cause it's awesome. I used to work for PRG at one point here in Denver before I like in between touring when I was kind of starting to really get into touring constantly, I worked out of the PRG shop here in Denver. And so we'd, we had Mbox there. It's Mac based. I had yeah. experience from working at an apple store at the mac platform so it all made sense and i still cool. box. i still use it i got a few of them sitting that's as far as you out. ever
0: made it out of our industry was, a, was, a See, was an apple, apple genius store, essentially
1: yeah so, wow i but i mean that's something else kind of circling back to when you know people come and ask you how do you get into this business so on and so forth i think having some sort of plan helps with that, like I was fortunate yeah. to know what I wanted to do, so I didn't really have to deviate too far because I didn't need to i I knew which direction I wanted to go, so by taking jobs and opportunities within that path, I was able to get where I wanted to be. I didn't need to like find myself, I didn't need to figure out what I wanted to do for a living, and I think I'm fortunate in that regard that. I kind of just put my head down and said, this is what we're doing
0: with our life. Mitchell. Boom. Yeah. Clear path. Like I want to do what that guy does. For you sure. know, like and you could actually all... see him out at front of the house. You're like, whatever that guy's doing, yep. whatever buttons he's pushing.
1: For sure. And I didn't even like see an LD first. I'd like, my parents told me when I was like a kid that take me to like kid shows and I would just be like staring straight up at the rig, just watching The lights blink. <laughs> and they're like, there's something up with this kid. <laughs> so, and then, and then you know, you have your your plan in life, and then things change. Obviously, like when I got married, my priorities shifted. Yeah, that happened early on. I was like, I'm gonna tour forever. I'm gonna be an LD forever. And then, you know, I started dating Brittany, my my wife, and I was like, I'm I don't know if I want to be on the road twelve months out of the year. But I still want to do this because I love this industry. So that's when I started figuring out ways I could still be creative, still work in lighting, but not necessarily be on a bus for three months. Still travel a lot, obviously, but um, get to come home between that. And now her and I were expecting our first child next month. So congratulations. Thanks, man. Interesting time to be bringing a human into the world. But yeah, uh, it's exciting, it's given us something. Something to look forward to, Um, but that obviously, too, changes priorities, all the more reason to need to be home, but also still need to do what I'm passionate about.
0: So I I don't want to get too much and tell me if this is too much, but we've been socially, the pandemic (laughs) has been about eight months long.
1: It was was just before.
0: Just before. 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 So So you... You guys had the idea of bringing somebody into a completely different... That's how 100%. much the world has changed in that m- amount of time.
1: A hundred percent. We probably would have reassessed had we known what a train wreck this year would have been.
0: Nine months but ago. Maybe not. Even eight months ago, you would have been like, oh, man, I w- what? think of all the things I'm going to have to do, all the work I'm going to have to turn down. What's going to happen to you? W- totally. a world we're going to bring that this child plan. into. Even,
1: even when we found out that we were going to have a kid, I was like... I'm going to be working my ass off. And the hardest part is going to be trying to remove myself come this fall so that I can be home for the birth of this child. So, and then now just the opposite happened. I've been home basically ever since we found out, I I flew to LA and did a few TV things, but that was pretty much it. And then those emails started coming through, canceled, canceled, postponed, canceled, canceled. So.
0: Oh man. (laughs) sorry by but but putting that time frame on it and attaching that that amount of time you're like, oh my god that 's how much the world has changed in that short yeah. amount of time,
1: yeah, and the amount of time it makes to or takes to make a child, yeah, the polar opposites of, we damn near of burn this
0: burn the city down Just in, the, in that amount of time,
1: I mean, literally I think we have <laughs> in some I mean, places,
0: God so. in I'm sure you're even getting some of the fire coming over your. I would imagine even your sun is blocked out these days. Oh
1: yeah, we uh actually it just snowed
0: a couple days ago. Get weirdly enough, f- hey, get out of here. It's 2020. Anything could happen. So I didn't have that on my bingo card. I didn't yeah. have snowing in August. <laughs> or September. <laughs>
1: yeah, it snowed for a solid 24 hours. Temperature dropped. It was sure. It was 90 Why something it? on Monday, and then down to 30 on tuesday it was nuts but i mean in a normal year you'd be like what the hell is going on but this year it's like okay yeah why not
0: you know throw it in there man yeah let's take a photo let's tell everybody totally
1: so yeah that we did have a lot of the fires but the snow helped a little bit just brought the temperature down brought the uh brought some moisture to combat the the crazy fires here. at
0: any other time in history that would be like front page news but now who we can't fit that in there no, we, we got too many other things to talk on about the front page man yeah there's no there's space enough. for snowing in denver <laughs> of course like
1: page seven you know yeah
0: It's <laughs> <That's> funny
1: <laughs> crazy and then supposedly by this weekend it'll be back in the 90s we'll okay see. of
0: course why not bring it on wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if you're gonna have a heat wave next totally you know <laughs> Man, so a lot of people are sitting at home doing nothing, and you've got, you're planning for a child. You guys got a new house.
1: Yep. So we're, we do have things to do, which is good. And I think looking at this year in a positive light, we're fortunate that we have, you know, a child to look forward to. We have projects to do around our new house. So, and now I think, like you and I had talked about earlier, I think we're starting to see people almost come out of hibernation which is also something kind of cool to look forward to i think when you know march hit everybody was like holy crap what are we gonna do let's just hunker down and wait this thing out and now that um we don't really have an end in sight there's no magic date when arena tours are rocking and rolling again i think more and more people are like okay the solution is not to Sit around and wait this thing out. I think now we gotta be creative. We gotta figure out new ways to do this. Um, I'm seeing more and more of my own clients coming out of of hiding and and wanting to do something digital, some sort of broadcast, some sort of webcast. And uh, obviously, we have to reapproach those. We there's no rules anymore. I feel like in production, there's yep. you could you could be a small band and you could be massive now because of some great performance you put together digitally. You could come out with a great album. You could completely rebrand. You could, you could be, you know, a lighting designer trying to get into this business and come up with some spectacular idea, get with the right people and, and produce it. And I, I think there's just no more rules, which is kind of awesome. If you think about it, there's, it's like, we've, we have a clean slate. The gloves are off for sure. Yeah. And it's Um, interesting. And it's fascinating watching and seeing what other people are coming up with. And for me and the people I work with, that's kind of been our biggest creative challenge lately is how do we, how do we come up with something new? How do we engage an audience? Because we can't pretend like we're going to have shows like we used to, at least not anytime soon. We can't have the audience not be there and try and attempt things the way we're used to attempting them because they just won't work. So figuring out that audience engagement, figuring out how we can hook people and keep them interested for a few hours in some sort of web-based concert or a stream. That's kind of been our, our new challenge, which is fun though. It's, it's fun to branch out creatively.
0: Yeah. So on top of all the other things that you've got going on right now, do you have a creative outlet right now? I mean, what do you, how do you express that? I mean, that's what our industry is based on and, and now it's been taken from us, For but sure. we're so not, to, we're not good at just sitting still though.
1: Yeah, definitely not. I, I think kind of like back when I would tour, I'd come home and be like, this is great. And that would last for like two weeks and then I'd just be itching to, to get back at it. I feel like that's kind of the mental space I was in with this whole thing. Like beginning of this year was getting real busy and then this break was almost forced upon me and everybody else. And so I looked at it like, okay, cool. I can, I can take a break for a bit and then. About two weeks into it, I was like, okay, I got to do something. I got <laughs> to start doing something fun. So actually the first thing I did was the, the house my wife and I are in. Uh, it's, a, it's a new house in a new development, so there's no landscaping or anything. So I got in Vectorworks and started drawing all of our landscaping and getting like bids on it like I would a lighting rig through a lighting company. So I'm getting all these companies involved and bidding it out. And they're like, these drawings are way too much (laughs) like (laughs) it's like (laughs) 10 pages of detail for a backyard so that was that was one creative outlet I had and then uh just projects around the house you know we're getting the little nursery (laughs) ready for my my new baby that's on her way um so that's been fun did a bunch of renderings for my wife so she could see what my plan was in the room and Things like that, but um, none of that really replaces—it doesn't replaces what we're used to. And I think I think we're all fortunate that we work in in an industry that we're passionate about. So just yeah, and I never really realized that until lately, especially watching people I know personally in the music space who are working at grocery stores and working at Best Buy, and just seeing that crazy change so quick. I feel like a lot of us took it for granted how fortunate we were that we, that we loved what we did. And we said, we still love that. And that's what makes it hard is it's not just a job. It's a passion. It's, it, you know, gets us going. We, we really dig what we do and that's when that's removed from you, you it's like, you've lost a part of you and that's, that's hard. And it it sounds cheesy, but it's true. I think it's, there's, and that's why a lot of people are bummed out right now because it's, it's more than just losing your job and your income. It's your creative release. your being a part of something bigger than yourself. And so mm-hmm. that's why I think it's exciting to see more and more people, both on the production end of things and the, the artist end of things, start to come together and be like, what can we do that's different? What can we attempt that's new? So.
0: Yeah, when that gets taken away from us, it, it resurfaces itself in so many different ways. Uh, yours is a perfect example. I can only imagine a Star Nursery coming back to you like your your uh, your garden designs have too many polygons here. I don't know what you're <laughs> I don't know what you're hoping for, but we, we can't do that exactly.
1: And I feel Being like, like uh, make
0: it happen. I can get a hundred stagehands to put this together in a, in a day. Why why can't you guys it's give funny me a you say that. I need it today. The-
1: the thing that pissed me off the most about that whole process was just how long it took people to, to do things like somebody would I'd send a <laughs> drawing and they'd be like, Oh, cool. We'll get you a quote in two weeks. I'm like, it's going to take you two weeks to just to quote it. That's not even build it. That's not even, you know, come in and construct it. That's just to quote it. I'm like, Oh, like just oh. Frust- so much frustration. Cause you know, in our industry, you call up whoever martin kelly and say yo how much is this going to cost that he calls you that night yeah off you go but he, we, martin we kelly worked. can
0: have it there tomorrow if totally. you need
1: he'll have it there right now and he'll fly out with it
0: yeah he's like I, and i got five guys on it and we're done <laughs> maybe that's what you should do maybe instead of uh, actually having trees and stuff you should just build trust and do totally. a little yeah
1: i'm sure the hoa would be into that (laughs) freaking hoas
0: (laughs) don't let them tell you what to do that's
1: a whole nother conversation
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, so but for better for worse like we didn't get into this industry to make money per se like it it wasn't when you were in middle school it's not you're like oh let's what's the best way to make some money that i think i should totally push cases to make money
1: totally i feel like it for a lot of us at that Almost never even crosses our mind. And Sadly, it doesn't. Point. Sadly, yeah, totally. it doesn't. And I, th- I think oftentimes we'll hit a point where that does cross our mind, but we know we're not going to like change our path in life because <laughs> of that, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> we do. <laughs> like, we totally know better. Totally. We know they are like, oh, dude, this isn't going to work out for us. I
1: remember distinctly, I was on tour as a lighting tech with uh, the band Fun. And a good friend of mine, Tyler Elick, was out as the video programmer. Um, And he at that point was rather successful in the business. And I was still young getting into it. I was a little lighting tech for Christie lights and uh, still trying to figure out me and my life and all that. But I remember for whatever reason on that tour, I kind of thought to myself, like, is this a career? Am I going to be able to like afford to live doing this? And I was, I was making good money as a lighting tech, but I just, for whatever reason on that tour, that thought just crossed my mind. And Tyler, I still remember, he told me, he said, as long as you are passionate about what you do and focus on the art first, you'll never have to worry about the money. Because inevitably, if you really care about what you do and you work really hard at that end of it, The money will come and he was right so i i always think back to that conversation years ago as a lighting tech because he just said you know don't even let that distract you just focus on you know learning and doing better and continuing to grow in the business and that that was a that was a key key conversation for me in my my journey
0: yeah tyler's a wise wise man to listen to yeah
1: Good old Tyler. I haven't seen him in years.
0: You've got some great mentors um, uh, along your path.
1: And that kind of goes back to what we were saying. You know, you gotta, you gotta meet people. You gotta, you gotta work with people and we can't do this alone. We gotta surround ourselves with, with incredible people. And that's, that's the key to getting to do awesome things.
0: So up until the point of creative director, you're basically creating somebody else's image or somebody's vision. Do you think that you would always, even in the back of your mind knew that you were going to get to that level where you're like, no, I'm going to create my vision.
1: I think, honestly, I think even as a creative director, parts of it are my vision, but we're Mm -hmm. still working under the parameters of a client so I, I consider even as a creative director I still consider myself more of a designer and what I mean by that is as a designer you're working under a set of guidelines a set of parameters given to you by by the artist the musician in, in this case and I don't think we have full flexibility like an artist would I can't just design whatever the hell I want for even if it's I have full creative control. There's still a budget, you know. There's still logistics involved, and I think for those reasons, no matter where you are at in the creative process, we're we're still working under those parameters. And I think that's a good thing though. I think it it kind of keeps everything on track. Yeah. Cuz, you know, I can't design a lighting rig that consumes 58 trucks of just lighting and costs a billion dollars a week
0: no not yet
1: awesome as that would be but (laughs) (laughs) it just uh it there's parameters there's guidelines to follow but we're doing so artistically if that makes sense
0: so as a director and a programmer i'm not that good at doing the things that you've mentioned like i've done a handful of designs where i've kind of like had to struggle to like to come from from infinite opportunities or infinite options to like three like i'm not good at that yeah. but once it's been narrowed down to like three like i can help a designer choose one path out of three and then make it happen where do you thrive do you thrive in taking it from infinite opportunities down to three or do you like the do you like a more narrow focus
1: i kind of like to fall somewhere in the middle i think Interesting. okay like i like having the discussions with the artists who are thinking you know vastly got it helping them with my knowledge of technology and you know the limitations we have from a production standpoint bridge that gap so and I think early on, if the, if I'm able to discuss with the artist or the end client early in the process, I don't think we have to have too many options on the table. I like being able to get an understanding of what they're going for early on so that we're starting with a select amount of options so okay. that we're not having to scale back. We're, we're always moving in the right the right direction and that can be hard I think I think a lot of musicians say they don't care or don't know what they want even though they really do they just mm-hmm. have a hard time expressing it so I think a challenge for me sometimes is just figuring out how to pull that out of the artist and sometimes it's not as normal as you would think it would be like the story I always default to in in regards to that is I worked with Wall Nation a number of years ago and I was on the phone with Aaron, the singer, when we were early in the creative process. And I was starting to get a feel for for what we were going to make this show look like. And he, at first, he was like, I don't care, I don't care. Like, do whatever looks cool. And then I asked him, if he was performing his music, where would he, if he closed his eyes, where would he, like, envision himself? And that question is what just got him to completely open up. And he said... If I, these songs make me feel like I'm on a surfboard paddling out early in the morning. And as the waves are breaking, I don't know if I'm going to encounter a beautiful mermaid or an evil pirate. And that, like that right there is what we rolled with to create the show. So we took a nautical approach. The Roby Pats had just came out, which are kind of like almost like a porthole looking fixture with that real tungsten glow. And we had those Uh with some like sharp blues cutting through. And, and he walked into the rehearsal space and he's like, perfect. Like exactly what I wanted. Even though. Where's my evil pirate. Totally. And so (laughs) there was no ways initially to like pull that out of him. So I just had to get creative with the discussion and get him to speak in a way that made more sense to him and then interpret that the best I could
0: right on yeah man and that was without video right that was just lighting that was just lighting
1: yeah yeah it's
0: not like you could go all literal and you're like look here's your mermaid you're like no look i created an, an a mermaid seascape out of the air
1: yeah and what we did too is we had very two distinct like color palettes would have like real harsh and heavy you know deep reds and things like that for the heavier songs, which was kind of the pirate look, and then would soften it up with some aquas and cyan and things like that for the mermaid look. And the tungsten of these Roby Pats kind of carried it through to maintain that continuity of the show. So it was abstract. It was cool.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's a perfect. That's a great way of. Uh, that's a great example of what you were talking about. Like you kind of took somebody else's, but like he had no idea how to create mermaids and pirates out of the air but you did
1: right and sometimes in that process you might interpret it and it's completely wrong <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we have a uh, rendering software so that we can yeah. make that determination prior to constructing it
0: yeah i think a lot of creativity is going to start moving to the digital realm uh, especially post covid there's going to be a lot of people that are going to create some some amazing digital tools for us now uh are you embracing the the digital i mean being an, an apple guy and a, uh do you do you self-identify as a millennial are you that's a hard one <laughs>
1: <laughs> i feel like i tried to remove myself from the millennial thing when okay i was working my butt off while most of my friends were still in college okay and drinking and i just felt like initially there was like a work ethic disconnect for me okay knew by not going to college I had to like work my ass off and just stay focused on what I wanted to do so that was one reason I kind of separated myself from okay millennial title (laughs) got it but but I was born in 1990 so I think from a from a timeline standpoint I technically fall within the millennial
0: ah uh, see so. i think you need to i think you need to embrace the title and show like yeah no uh, not true. all millennials are what you think yeah I so should,
1: i should change the stereotype single yeah you, you're changing you're
0: saying, it right? yeah <laughs> because you you're your generation has never known anything outside of the digital re- like you the first sure. time you touched a console was you know i'm a, you're not even seeing consoles that are analog or anything like that you've yeah. only known the digital world
1: for sure and i think i think our generation is fortunate in the sense that since we grew up with that technology we're very comfortable with it but i can see right in front of me how a lot of people have issues with that you know too much technology is a bad it's, thing and it's I think scary what's cool is with people like us who work in a technology driven field we almost get enough of it that we are able to remove ourselves from time to time. Like I'm fine setting my phone down and not looking at it for a week. Other people aren't fine with me setting my phone down, and not looking at it for a week, but, but I'm cool with that. And I think it's cause I might, I might've just done a month of work on some really technically driven project. And so now I just want to go on a walk with my, dog and my wife and enjoy other parts of life and that i think kind of resets everything so that when the next project pops up you can dive into it with a fresh perspective
0: i wonder this is totally off on a tangent but i wonder if you have a leg up on us and we're only 10 years apart but uh you've been able to deal with a technology addiction quicker and easier than my generation because we're we're in our 40s and we're like man these things are cool let's let's go on facebook and argue for five hours and your generation is like that's dumb we did that already let's (laughs) let's go for a walk
1: now everybody just argues on instagram
0: okay you guys moved it to instagram awesome we we left uh (laughs) facebook
1: for the for the older generation (laughs) (laughs) But now there's this TikTok thing, I guess, that uh, oh, boy. all the young kids are doing.
0: Yeah, we'll leave that for the younger kids. I'm sure that'll that'll be outdated soon enough. Hopefully. But to bring this back to our industry, there are so many people that are just like, "Hey, look at all this technology I threw at this at this show! Isn't it great? Like, why why did you bring all that? Because it's awesome! Look at all these! Look at all these!" connections and all these look at how complex I made this yeah are you you running into that
1: uh I try my best not to and I think because I had a number of great mentors I've learned certain ways of approaching creativity and I was never taught throwing a lot of technology at something is the solution I think having a concept first is the key and then embracing certain pieces of technology to help see that vision come through would be my approach to it. I don't, I'm not going to use a light just cause it's cool. I'm going to use a light because it makes sense for what we're trying to accomplish.
0: That's cool. It sounds like yeah. you've soaked up some really good, uh, some good information.
1: I've tried to, there's certainly been times where I'm like, let's throw a shit ton of whatever at something. But also, Mm -hmm. it makes sense for the concept. Like, I just did a show where we had, like, 90 JDC1s, and when that light first came out, I hated that light because I thought it had way too many parameters. But (laughs) then I fully embraced it and, like, almost used a strobe light as a key light in some scenes, and it worked. But again, it fell back to the concept of what we were trying to do ultimately, and it just made sense.
0: You think that creativity should be leading the technology, not the other way around?
1: I think so, personally. And I think a lot of innovation in the technology comes from creativity. Like, I know a lot of manufacturers like having discussions with designers to see what they need and what tools would be beneficial to them in the design process. And that's where we see innovation come through. And I mean, sometimes it's check out this super cool thing. Mm -hmm. How can we make it work? And then knowing what exists helps that realization come through. So like going into the design process, obviously as lighting designers, we we know what tools are out there. And that kind of goes back to my, my statement about bridging the gap between the artist and the creative team and the technical boundaries and things like that, knowing what our options are, but also working with the artist who might, not have a clue what any type of light is in my mind. I can think about what what we have available to us and how we can formulate that into a plan.
0: The, the live stream capabilities that we have these days is a perfect example of that, where when live concerts were available, you could never get me to go to a live stream. It would bore me to tears. But take away... The opportunity to go to a live show. I'm into live streams now, and I I don't know if I would pay for them. I mean, I've been lucky enough of the people that I've been interested, they've been doing them for free. But the fact that that opportunity and the that technology is available makes it worth it. You know, for sure. It's where like I I would never use that technology because I, I prefer the the live and the the communal niss the unity of a live show but man if you if that's not available like i need the best alternative and that is the digital version of it and i'm so thankful that the technology is available
1: definitely and we're we're lucky that we have the tools we do now given the circumstances because we're able to do cool things and and come up with a new approach to these shows. And I think for me working with some of my clients on some, some live streams we have coming up, we're, we're, we're challenged with how do we make it engaging? How do we use that technology to again, go back to that concept and make it work for us. And we're almost approaching it like we would, you know, a concert tour. We're just using different tools and performing in a different way. So, but for me, that's, that's a fine line to walk because we could just build a stage in a room with lights and just not have an audience. Yeah. But, but we also could just have the band in their kitchen with a camera. I think there's, to me, neither of those is really my preferred way of approaching it. I want to find that sweet spot in the middle where we're taking the performance way of doing things that we're, we're used to, but engaging the audience in a new way to keep them hooked, keep them interested. Almost, almost embrace this time as a way to do performances like they never will. Again, Mm -hmm. they never have, they never will. This is kind of a unique opportunity to create something special.
0: Uh, You've been really lucky enough uh, really lucky to have some of the bands that are really creative on a on a shoestring when i think of uh some of the productions that fun has put out and awol nation and even imagine dragons to a certain degree they have they have their productions have been so creative that they can do it on with less money because the creativity is so quintessential they're like man this is i came up with something i don't need too much production value on top of it because this is a great idea
1: right and i think i'm i've been fortunate to work with bands that have music that really yeah works perfectly with those production techniques we have so certain songs obviously we're going to go crazy with lighting and lasers and video and then some songs we can create that that roller coaster of emotion in the performance and get away with just You know, a couple spots silhouetting the singer and some low fog or whatever. Like we can create those dynamics in the performance. And I, I even try to do that in performances you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like Logic, who's a rap artist that we put out last year. I knew I wanted a moment in that show where it was almost acoustic because you wouldn't really have that in a typical rap show, and it we did it he played a couple songs that were much quieter and we lit it very different and we cut all the video out and it just it was unique it was cool but his music he had that in his catalog that we could create that moment in the show
0: nice yeah sometimes now, the most impressive thing you can do with technology is turn it off
1: totally a hundred percent especially in a show where there's a lot of it it can yeah. be it can be relaxing almost for the audience. And for me too, I like to do that two thirds of the way through the show, because then we've almost brought the audience back down so that we can take them even higher for the end of the show. Because if, yep. we're, if we're keeping it, you know, at a hundred percent all the way through, there's really nowhere else to go. So it's just an
0: assault at that point. Totally.
1: <laughs> They're ready to leave. Those, yeah. those strobes have hurt their eyes by that point.
0: Yeah. It, there's... We often fall into this trap, like, "Well, I bought the video wall, so let's let's use it in every freaking song, because then I'm going to get more money. You know, the the ratio is going to work out better. I'm going to get more bang for my buck the more I use it. Like, that's for not sure. that's not what it's for. That's not how it, that's not how creativity works.
1: Yeah, and I've always battled client. That's a bad word. I I haven't battled my clients on video, but I've I've discussed disagreed. Okay. I've agreed to disagree with certain approaches. <laughs> like with video, we're always getting better and better video products. We're all, I mean, we're getting better and better lighting too, but video, the resolution's constantly getting better. The walls, mm-hmm. the contrast is getting better. The color is getting better. So a lot of people think, well, a one mil video wall exists. We need to have that. And I'm just the opposite. I'll use a one mil video wall if it makes sense for the project, which is generally television. Because the camera is going to register those that tighter pixel better but if it's a if it's a rock concert tour a i don't think you need one mil video because five mil video and one mil video when you're viewing it from 40 feet away is going to look the exact same and b sometimes i want it to be low resolution sometimes i want to put lights behind the video and have it punch through the video surface and so just because that New technology is available, and that resolution's better or whatever doesn 't mean we have to use it and so i 'm mm-hmm. like notorious when it comes to video products for going in to VER or whoever and saying what 's like the oldest product you have what 's more clunky, but how can we <laughs> surround that with new lighting and you know structure that in a way that makes sense for the concept that we have at hand and that again circles back to having a concept and using the technology to to see it through
0: yeah it sounds like you're doing really good at uh using the technology to bring us closer together whereas some people they technology can also be used to put us farther farther apart uh, The li- like live streaming you know i would hate i would hate to think of a live stream ever replacing a live concert because that just Sitting at home at a, at a screen is not the same as being at a at a show sitting together looking at the same video wall. Totally,
1: and I think that never will replace it and we just have to realize that. And we yeah. can't look at live streams as as a new solution to that, it's just something different now. We're doing yeah. something different to fill that time, but inevitably we're going to have concerts again we're because people need that people need to be jam-packed in a room together yeah sweating getting
0: beat with that, smashed PA up and, against the the barricade totally It, <laughs> uh, dude from the ones that i've seen these days it's i love h- human beings as a species but man as soon as the house lights go out it doesn't matter how many times we've been told we have to socially distance we just You can't help it. It's in our DNA. We're going to smash ourselves up against that barricade as soon as the house lights go out. And
1: I think that's a reason our industry will be one of the last to come back because we're all responsible people in this industry. We want to approach it safely. We don't want to attempt to do something that's only going to set us further back, but we want to continue giving the fans what they want, fulfilling our own creative needs, and knowing that we have to approach it slow. Cause like you said, as soon as those house lights go out, boom. Yeah. those kids are getting crushed.
0: <laughs> I hate to say it, man, but I, I see the photos of the ones where everybody's in their own little cages out of front house with their little bike racks and everything. And like, that's what it takes. That's yeah. what it takes for us to fight our, our primal urge to smash together because it we're, a, we're a single consciousness in, in so many ways you know we're just Definitely. like let's let's smash together and let's let's hug and let's gyrate together you know let's let's feel yeah. the message and it, and it takes bike racks and for sure
1: and maybe maybe that's why people are so divided right now cuz they don't have the ability to be on top of each other <laughs> you know they they don't have the ability to be crowded together with 15,000 other people and set aside their differences i think uh I think that's the key. The lack of concerts is all the problems in the world right now, Chris.
0: I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think you and I have, uh, we've solved it. We, Oh, I don't that's know how to, I, I don't just don't know how to do it safely yet. So as soon as we can figure that out. I don't. Me neither. I think, uh, I think
1: there's a lot of good people working on it though. I think there's a lot yeah. of new ideas coming together. Even like the, the UV light stuff. Yeah. The, uh, there's a company that's doing, it's like a fog machine. Yeah, like sterilizes which is brilliant yeah. you Every thought that would have came together sooner so yeah i think i think once all the stars align and all the creative minds working on solutions are able to to come yeah. up with something we'll be that much closer to being back to where we were before i don't think i don't think we'll ever completely erase 2020 from our minds things will always be different i mean even handshaking is going to be a thing of the past potentially, or it's at least going to take a while for people just to get used to that again. But yeah. Um,
0: oh, it's know. so it's awkward 20. when I go in for one these days too, when I just totally forget and I go in for one and then I start and I catch myself halfway through <laughs> and I'm like, and then I start to crumple my, my hand into a yeah. fist and then somebody else is already like putting their elbow out. And I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. So that's what sure. we're doing. That's what I we're doing.
1: Like I've been doing a lot of like fake hugging from a distance. Yeah. You know, we, you know how this industry is. We will see somebody. And then two years later, we see him again. And yep. we're, we're great friends, but just the nature of it. We don't see each other often. So you want to like hug them and be like, what's up, man? Great to see ya." But now it's like, oh, what do
0: we do? <laughs> What's your right. comfort can all level? Can I? Together. You exactly. know, we're all figuring like, it out. We're just here. Moving. Here's my negative test. Can I get a hug? Yeah,
1: that would be great. <laughs> we Got to wear our 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 paperwork around our neck. Oh like man, a tourist. <laughs> awesome,
0: dude. This is great. We we're, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to get into one more thing with you. I'm seeing people. And I'm so thankful for the technology to make this possible. It opens up so many doors, but I'm starting to see people being able to program and design a show completely remotely. They're sitting in their living room, either mixing a show or programming a punt page in Denver and the show's taking place in Hawaii. Is that something you're interested? In? Is that something that we should embrace?
1: I I think it makes sense, and I probably feel that way because even before all this, there were situations where we were doing that. There's I've done television performances in LA that I programmed here in my office, and then emailed somebody an MA file in uh-huh. LA, and they plugged it in, updated that- the focuses, and it off it went. So I think we're fortunate that we're not restricted by the technology we are able to do things remotely so as much as i love being on site sometimes that just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. so and even i even if we go do a festival or go do some remote performance 5 years ago we might still at the very least update the patch or you know get get some cues put put together in advance and just fly to wherever with a, with a flash drive and load up. So I think we've always kind of done that. We've always had a remote element to it, mm-hmm. at least on the the front end. I feel like lately though, that's just becoming a bit more and more. And I've always joked with people like once internet is fast enough, we can just network a console into, yeah into some NPUs in Europe and in theory, it would work as long as the connection's fast enough and strong enough.
0: We're not far off.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Uh, from what I've heard, there's people that are getting really close and we're only like a half a second off right now where they just can't do it live. They can build you a punt page and they can sit next to you with somebody sitting somebody sit next to somebody who's sitting at the console and be like, Yeah, orange, yellow, go green.
1: Totally. And I think too with time code. If we know the track, especially like if it's a TV performance, if they're just doing one or two songs, we can get the arrangement, time code it all out. And we know, at least from a timing standpoint, it's going to be correct. Obviously, key lighting and and focuses will have to be looked at on site. And there's certain things, no matter what, they need to be looked at. Like for me personally, if I'm programming a show in previs, we never do gobos just because for me i need to see the gobo and see how yeah how it works on stage and so we'll just get you know do like the graphic focuses and get the timing stamped out but yeah so, i think so, given the circumstances there are yeah. opportunities to do that
0: here's a fear that i have and maybe this is a slippery slope fear but if we get so far and so advanced in there next thing you know we've got a the equivalent of a call center in india just <laughs> pumping out
1: full of ma programmers
0: full of ma programmers <laughs> you know
1: yeah i
0: i, I don't I, know what's stopping that from happening
1: that is a scary thought and that's never crossed my mind so thanks for putting that <laughs> fear in, my, in my brain but i don't know again there's that human element that you can never replace with creativity True. with the audience and even if we could do that i think it's still important to have people on site and even even if you're in a call center or a, an ma <laughs> programming center there's you still have to be there there's only so many screens you can have there's only so so good of speaker you can have in front of you but yeah unless you're sitting right in front of that stage and there's parts of it too like just having a locked off shot straight at a stage doesn't give you the full experience there's plenty of times where i'll spin my seat around 180 degrees and see how the beams are impacting the 300 section and make sure they're feeling a part of it and those those little nuances i don't think we'll ever be able to get around with our ma call center in india
0: could <laughs> dial one for hog programmer dial two for uh, ma yeah i hope not dial three for Avo lights point. yeah well totally. i let's uh he let's do everything we can there. to avoid that let's uh if you if oh, you ever sure. hear of an ma call center opening up let me know and we'll
1: yeah i'll call you we'll shut it down
0: yeah we'll uh, we'll set up a <laughs> vpn or something and shut it down
1: totally <laughs> get some hackers involved Love cool, it. man. Well,
0: thank you so much for sitting down. I appreciate you taking the time. I know that uh, you've got a lot going on in this time, so I really appreciate you sitting in an out. Yeah, man. An hour to Thanks for having me. With it's me. been fun. We should totally do this over a beer in Denver sooner than later.
1: Absolutely. I think uh, sooner would be good. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we're headed in that direction
0: i'll fill you off right right off the top i'm a hugger so uh there's no don't if you're going for a handshake i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna go straight for the hug so come running right on man love it (laughs) thank you so much mitchell (laughs) for sure dude thanks for having me